saving for a rainy day, but it's not even wet. Then there's food, some gas, and clothes. Don't forget the rent. Insurance pops up here and there. And don't forget to cut your hair. You need new shoes, but you got the blues because you just ran out of cash. Welcome to Sensible Chat, the podcast committed to helping you learn positive money mindsets, destroy debt, reduce financial stress, and break the paycheck-to-paycheck cycle. Our guest professor today is Cassidy Parker-Knight. She's going to share her budget success story and how zero-based budgeting changed her life. After class, Sensible Bobby will talk about debt and holiday spending. But first, she's going to give you an update on her experience with The Saving Secret. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get to the generator of greenbacks, the deer of dough, the nanny of the note, the boss of budgeting. Here is Sensible Bobby. Thanks, Scott. And thank you for joining me for another episode of Sensible Chat. I just finished my first month using the savings secret, which we learned about from Jamie Beeth a few months ago. If you haven't listened to his interview yet, check out the October 12th episode called The Saving Secret for all the details. I shared my first update after I budgeted for the entire month of November using my first paycheck of the month and making up the difference from my savings account. If you recall, I was really excited to experience the feeling of having my second paycheck of the month go directly into savings and stay there. All of it. I experienced that a few weeks ago and it was amazing. What a rush. I was a little concerned that I was going to feel cheated because I didn't get to budget that second paycheck but I got to budget it a little bit since my savings is broken up into various categories, so I got my fix. Other than that, the only budgeting fun I get is entering receipts, and Scott's really been enjoying making sure that I get them as quickly as possible so he can laugh at me as I get excited and log into YNAB. I swear, I'm like the kid that gets the great gift in a big box and all I want to do is play with the box. The one thing that's been a challenge is what to do when something unexpected comes up which we didn't budget for. But this is one of the main reasons the saving secret is so great, because it really makes you stop and think. Is this unexpected thing that we didn't budget for important enough to transfer money from our savings account and pay for it now, or can we wait until next month when we can add it to the budget? We had a few of these situations throughout the month. Most of the time, we decided to wait and add it to our budget for the next month. But we did move some additional money to make a purchase right away that wasn't in our budget. Neither way is wrong. It's all about priorities. But it was a great experience in having those conversations and thinking it through to decide if it was important enough to break from our original plan. I love that we had the flexibility to decide. I love that we had the discussions instead of jumping to a decision. And I love that it taught us to spend a bit more time planning for December's budget so there's less a chance of that happening again. All in all, I'm really loving the saving secret method. And if you're someone who doesn't like the process of budgeting and paying bills, you'll love this method because it cuts your workload in half and you only have to do it once a month. Even if you love the process like I do, it's a great way to focus in on what's important and dream in a very practical way about your financial goals. If you're new to budgeting and still trying to break old spending habits, I wouldn't recommend doing this method exactly as it was laid out, but you can still use it. The way it was laid out is to only budget once a month for the entire month and then commit to sticking with it as much as humanly possible. But the actual goal is simply to save more. So if you're new at this, it may be better to take it in baby steps. 
you would still put your entire paycheck into your savings account, but only transfer what you need for one week. Budget for the week and commit to following that budget just for the week. Then, if something comes up that's not in the budget, you can decide if it's important enough to transfer more money to cover it or wait until it's time to budget for next week. But you only have to wait one week, not a month. This is also a great way to streamline your budgeting process. Choose one day of the week to track, budget for next week, and pay bills. This will give you more of a chance to perfect the process in less time in smaller steps. Just make sure your bank allows you to make the multiple transfers from saving to checking without a fee. If you have questions or want help getting started, go to my website at sensiblechat.com and schedule a free budget consultation with me. If you're on the fence about starting a budget because you think it takes too much work, it's too hard, or you don't make enough money, keep listening. Because after hearing our guest professor's story, you'll be out of excuses. Okay, class. Sensible University is now in session. Today's guest professor is YNAB enthusiast Cassidy Parker-Knight. Cassidy's going to share her budget success story and how zero-based budgeting changed her life. Cassidy, thanks so much for being our guest professor today. Hi, thank you for having me. On October 27th, I read your post on YNAB's online group page, and it was really inspiring. Do you mind if I share it? Yeah, of course. Okay. Quote, I've been feeling YNAB broke lately, so I was absolutely astounded to see this number in my bank account today. And by the way, that number was well over $10,000. Quote, I started YNAB in March with $1,600 to my name. I make less than $30,000 a year, and I would never have believed I could save this much while still living so comfortably. I've never in my life had this many digits in my account. I'm a full month ahead, have a baby emergency fund that I'm working on adding to, and have so many sinking funds well on their way, and feel really secure about all the what-ifs that used to be able to ruin my financial life. I truly can't overstate how much YNAB has helped me." Unquote. How did it feel to be able to post that message? It was really wild. I was just checking my bank account and I sort of knew I had been approaching 10,000 and that was towards the end of the month, obviously. And I was like, had basically no money in my grocery budget. And I was trying to wait until November 1st to buy more groceries. And I had no more money to buy impulsive fun things. And so it was really sort of epitomized how well YNAB works when I was checking my bank account to see if my paycheck had hit and I saw that that was how much money I had. I was like, the reason why NAB works is because I'm feeling the scarcity and feeling like I've spent all the money I can is because all of this other money is earmarked for other more important things than, you know, buying makeup. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That is so exciting. And I know what you mean by the YNAB broke feeling because I often feel that way. And then I go in and I look at where my money's actually at. And it's such a calm feeling and very exciting. And so congratulations. That is such a huge milestone. And I was particularly struck by how you made this happen in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. I mean, you know, March was when this all really got bad. So let's dive into your story. First of all, how did you find YNAB and what made you decide to give it a try? (laughs) So when the holiday season happens, I always am like sort of doing okay. And then I, I buy gifts and I have a lot of people in my family and I love buying gifts. And I always go into January 
in a much worse position than I start like November in. (laughs) And then January is when I make my car insurance payment. And so I was actually broke (laughs) at the beginning of the year. And at some point I split an apartment with a roommate and he sends me his half of rent and then I pay our landlord. And I went to pay our March rent and I didn't have enough and I was freaking out. And I eventually realized that for the past several months, the money he had been sending me was like sitting in the app still rather than having gone to my account. It needed to like be resynced to my bank account. But I was, I just had this moment of realizing like, I don't monitor my money at all. I have no idea how much I'm spending. I've been basically paying double rent for several months without even realizing it. And so I was sort of like, I need some kind of budget. And I just started Googling and I found you need a budget. And I decided to give it a try. Yeah, it's amazing how many of us just really don't know where our money is going. And I remember feeling that way too, definitely. So where's there a learning curve for you? Because I know there was a learning curve for me when I first started YNAB. What was your experience in the beginning with YNAB? One advantage I had going into YNAB, I mean, advantage, um, (laughs) is I had never done any kind of budgeting. So I see a lot of posts in that Facebook group that are confused because it's different from more common methods of budgeting. But that was basically my first experience budgeting ever. (laughs) That helps. Yeah. (laughs) So I was like, zero-based budgeting? Okay, sure. Like, fine. I guess that's how people budget. (laughs) So did you consciously decide that you were going to start saving and saving toward a certain dollar amount? Or was it just kind of something that surprised you because of you know, this new thing of budgeting and how well it's working. Did you have a motivation for building savings so aggressively or was it really just, you know, after you realized that you now know where your money's going? It was really more just realizing how well it's working. I wasn't like consciously trying to save to $10,000 or anything. I started just like reading everything on YNAB's website and reading about sinking funds. And I sort of had this moment of like, yeah, I know that at some point I'm going to have to spend a lot of money on my car. And that's not really a surprise because I know that's going to happen sometime. And, you know, thinking about like every six months car insurance payment, it's like, oh, yeah, that's not a surprise. I know that's happening. That doesn't have to like blow an entire paycheck when it happens. And then, of course, almost right after I started, like maybe a week after I started the pandemic hit and I work for a small business. So I was sort of thinking like there's a real chance that I could lose my job or at least have my income cut quite a bit. So I guess if anything, shortly after I started, I was trying to budget for the potential of losing my job. And that was why I was so intense about like trying to get a month ahead as soon as possible and just making sure that I knew what I was going to do if I lost my job and would be in an okay shape. Wow, that's great to hear because as horrible as this pandemic is, it sounds like for you, it was a a wake-up call early enough that it really made you start doing great things with your money to plan for the worst because that can happen at any time, pandemic or not. And so that's such an important lesson to learn as early on as possible, certainly. (laughs) So now, were you laid off at all during this time? In about June, I had my hours cut a little bit, but overall, I've been very lucky. So have there been any setbacks or challenges since you started with YNAB, just with having to change any ways that you were spending before to kind of curb that? Has that been difficult? Was it pretty easy? (laughs) The thing I've most had to get under control was impulse buys. Like, 
I bought so much stuff. And the second it entered my head that, oh, that's a cute outfit. That would be a fun thing to get for my cats, whatever. Like the second it entered my head, I was buying it. And that's the main thing I've really had to get under control. And it helps a lot rather than just sort of feeling like, "Eh, I shouldn't spend this money, but oh, well, like seeing like, okay, if I spend this money, I'm taking that out of when my car breaks down or something that I know is important. Like the money, it feels more tangible. So it's easier to not spend it, but it's really made me realize how much money I was spending so impulsively. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that's a big problem for all of us, I think, you know, and something that YNAB really helps you get under control because like you said, then you could actually see where you're having to pull that money from to make that impulse purchase. So in those moments when you don't make those impulse purchases, do you feel deprived or do you feel like it's for the greater good? How does that feel? Honestly, it's been okay. I've definitely not been perfect. I've definitely gone over my treat yourself budget plenty of times. Um, (laughs) But largely, I, I give myself the satisfaction of putting it like in the online cart and that gives me that hit of dopamine or whatever of having bought it. But I tell myself, you know, if you still want it next month, when you have more money in that budget category, you can go back and buy it. And if it's sort of a more expensive item, I make myself sort of think on it for a bit. And if I really want it, I make it a line item that I'm going to save for. And it's definitely really different from what I was doing, but I also feel like I'm spending my money more intentionally. And I feel good not just having saved money, but knowing like it's so much less wasteful just in general, like for the environment, like so much of the stuff that I, you know, have that moment of like, Ooh, I want to buy that. No, I'm going to wait until next month when there's more money in that category. Next month rolls around and I have forgotten about it. I see it like on that wish list and I'm like, oh, I don't want that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So the idea of delayed gratification, it sounds like you've really grasped onto that, which is so great, I think, and so exciting because that's the idea that you can still get what you want, just maybe not today. And like you said, a lot of times if we delay that, we find out later on, yeah, I didn't really want it anyway. I mean, it's like a kid at Christmas, right? You get all this stuff and then two weeks later, it's like, yeah, I don't want to play with it anymore, you know? <laughs> now, I wanted to ask you because, you know, you said in your post that you feel really secure about all the what ifs that used to be able to ruin your financial life. And I completely identify with that. So just explain to me how that used to feel versus how it feels now. It felt very much like I'm doing okay. I can pay my bills. I can get a fancy dinner at a restaurant. But if my car breaks down or my cat eats some ribbon and needs an emergency (laughs) surgery, or if it happens to be a month that I'm making my car insurance payment, or if my computer died, like so many things that again, they're, they're not really ifs, like they're whens. When, when they happened, I knew that I would be broke and maybe I wouldn't even be able to pay my rent. You know, I'm still working on all of those sinking funds. I would at the moment have to move a lot of money around if something like that happened, but knowing that I have money set aside for it and it won't cut into my bills. And especially, you know, at some point those will all hopefully be fully funded 
and I wouldn't even have to move money around for it. Like that's so reassuring. That makes me feel so secure. And I don't think I even realized that that was a thing I worried about because I threw money around like I was the richest person in the world. (laughs) Um, But somewhere under that, I knew that any kind of unexpected emergency would throw everything off. And I, I think about it a lot more, but I don't worry about it as much. Yeah. That makes oh, that totally makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's like life on the edge, you know, is what you experience when you don't have that money to back you up. And then it's almost like you can breathe, you know, once you know <laughs> that if something happens, you nothing's going to go into complete chaos. And that's a a beautiful feeling. I remember feeling that way and feeling like, yeah, I want to go out and I would go out, but then I'd be stressing about the money like the whole time, even when I was out having fun. So it wasn't really fun because I was stressed about what happens, you know, if something else happens and I already spent this money. So it's a vicious cycle for sure. Yeah, that's sort of the other thing is like, on the one hand, I'm being more conscious about my money and only spending what I actually can afford to spend. But on the other hand, what I do spend on fun stuff that I don't need, I just want, like I do that guilt-free, which was never the case because I didn't know how much I could afford to spend. I just knew I was spending too much. So any fun, frivolous thing I bought for myself, I was, you know, feeling guilty about it. (laughs) Right. Such a such a great difference when you can buy that and know that it's okay. It feels really, really good. So tell me about some of the small successes that you've achieved along the way in order to reach the big success that you posted about the other day. I think the first big success for me was I pay my car insurance every six months. And so when July came around and it was time for that car insurance payment that up until now, every time I've had to pay it, it's like, is there going to be enough in there? Who knows? Um, (laughs) I was able to pay it and it didn't matter at all. It didn't affect anything else because I had saved up for it. And that was sort of a lightning bolt moment for me almost. I was like, wow, this is really working. Like This is how it feels to be in control of your money. And I think the other thing for me was when I finally managed to get a month ahead. So, you know, I got to the end of August, I think, and I had September completely funded. And that was so nice because, of course, one of the big things I've been worrying about this whole time that I've been using YNAB has been, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. I might lose my job. And just knowing, like, if that happens, I have a moment to breathe and catch my breath before I need to panic about money. That is so great. Wow. Congratulations. Such great milestones that so many people are either struggling to achieve or, you know, the sadder part is that there are people who want to achieve those but have no idea how. And I'm sure you remember feeling that way. I remember feeling that way. And it's just, you know, YNAB makes such a huge difference for that. And it's just amazing, really, how simple it can be. Do you feel that way? Yeah, definitely. I spent so long thinking like, I just don't make enough money. Right. And I don't make all that much money. But as it turns out, I was living like someone who made a lot more money than I did. And that's why I felt like I didn't make enough money. I was living way beyond my means. Yeah. 
I think we've all felt like that at a certain point that we don't make enough money. And, you know, it's all relative. But if it was just about the money, then if you get a pay raise, everything would be fine. And most of us have experienced a pay raise and (laughs) then wondered where that money went, right? I mean, it it doesn't seem to hang around for very long. So what have been your biggest setbacks or challenges since March? And what have you learned from them? Because we always hear about the successes, but it's never a straight path and none of us do it right the first time. So what are some of your kind of setbacks and how did you deal with those? I definitely, I mean, I've talked about this a lot already, but getting my impulse spending under control, like I definitely had a lot of months where I spent more than I had kind of earmarked for any given category and had to move things around. And I ate out a lot more than I had planned. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess that's coming out of my grocery budget. So now here's an important question because a lot of people see budgeting as very tedious, very time consuming, overwhelming, and it can be overwhelming to start with until you kind of get a grasp on it. But I'm curious to know how often you use YNAB and for how long? Oh, every day. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, like YNAB, they sort of talk about how you'll get to the point where you you forget what day you get paid. And I understand the sentiment, except I look forward to getting paid, not because I need the money to buy groceries, but because I love budgeting. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I look forward to that. And I honestly open my budget and look at it every day. Even like anytime I'm going to buy anything, I check the budget And of course, that's important. Check the budget, not your bank account. Sure. But honestly, this is going to sound so, I don't know, nerdy, but (laughs) even when I'm not intending to buy anything or don't have more money to budget, like I just open the budget and check and I sort of look at it and I look at all my categories and I'm like, yep, you have money in all those categories. And it, it makes me feel secure. I don't. <laughs> yeah, no, I get you. I feel the same way. I mean, you're preaching to the choir because that's how I feel every day. And it's so funny because my husband's like, uh, yeah, you're obsessed. okay?" <laughs> and he laughs at me all the time, but it does. It makes you feel so secure. And I'm the same way. I love going into YNAB. I love having things to do in there. And yeah, if I don't have anything to do, I'll just look at my money just to, to it is. It's very calming just to see, okay, if something happens, there's money in these different places. And yeah, I I completely agree. (laughs) But for those who aren't nerds, I mean, what you have to do in order to keep up on your budget, do you have any sense of how much time that really takes? Not much. I mean, once you like set all of the goals, it's very easy. Like when you get your money, it doesn't take a lot of thought. You you just like fill in all of the goals that you've already spent time creating. That is truly just a click of a button. And then you might need to move a few things around depending on what's going on that month. And, you know, reconciling to make sure that what's in the budget matches what's in your bank account. Really, if you're doing that every day or even every week, isn't going to take up too much of your time as long as you're entering every transaction as it happens. And I should mention, like, lots of people have automatic imports, which I don't do. But if you're doing it with automatic imports, I mean, that's even faster. Right. So do you remember how long it took you to originally set up your YNAB account? Um, I probably sat down with the budget and a notebook and all of my accounts open and spent 
a couple of hours just kind of figuring it out. And I, I was confused. I was just kind of clicking around blindly. But the more I played with it, the more I got the hang of it. And then I definitely created a whole budget and was like, this doesn't work. And, you know, scrapped it and started new a couple of times. But I would say maybe an hour or two at first to just try and figure out what the heck I was doing. Right. And then maybe after about the length of the free trial, actually, of just, you know, sort of budgeting regularly. I was like, I think I understand this enough to commit to paying for it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, I just think that's really important because, like I said, you know, there's so many people who just kind of push budgeting out of their mind because they think it's going to be so time-consuming. And it's really important to stress that it's really not. I mean, yes, you know, there's some time that you have to put in in the beginning to, like you said, to understand it and to get all your numbers together. But once that's done, I mean, man, it's so worth it. And once it's done, just keeping the maintenance is really nothing. Definitely, yeah. So now what's next for you financially speaking? I mean, you've gotten to this great point. You've gotten further ahead in way less time than you ever would have expected. And kudos to you, especially on $30,000 a year. That really isn't much. And you're doing a fabulous job with it. And it proves that no matter what dollar amount you're making, you really can control your money and make it give you that solid foundation that you need. So what is next for you now that you know what's possible? What are your financial goals for 2021? I think for sure the next thing for me is turning my attention to my student loans. (laughs) I have about $27,000 of loans. And on the income-based plan, I have an incredibly low payment. And so I just never paid any attention to it. I never worried about it. But the more I'm sort of using YNAB to kind of plan my financial future, I'm like, okay, I I need to address this or I'm going to be paying it for the rest of my life. And it definitely feels really overwhelming. It feels like a huge amount of money. But having sort of gotten myself secure, I am feeling more than I ever have. Like that's doable. I can really focus on that and make a plan to make sure that I'm going to be able to pay it a lot sooner than is technically required. That is fantastic. That's an amazing goal. And I wish you all the luck in the world with that because yeah, from where you're standing, it is completely doable. And you got to come back when you're done with that and let us know, you know, let us know how long it took and celebrate. I would love to celebrate that milestone with you because that is huge. And I know that you're going to do it. So good luck with that. And before I let you go, I just want to find out if you have because I kind of ask everybody this. What is your best budgeting tip? Ooh. I mean, this is a tip I'm stealing from YNAB. (laughs) It's not my tip. No problem. Um, But I think the thing that has helped me the most to really get to the position I'm at is their idea of true expenses. Like think of all the things that you pay annually or semi-annually. And then especially like sinking funds for the things that you don't know when they're going to happen. You don't know exactly how much it's going to be, but you know that they're going to happen. Things like, you know, medical bills and car repairs or even like, you know, Christmas gifts and treat those like monthly bills. That's, I think, probably the thing that's helped me the most. And it also makes me feel like I actually have as much money as I have because I was not treating that money as money that needed to eventually pay for things. I was treating that as money that I had to spend on whatever I wanted. I agree. That's one of the biggest things that I learned from YNAB is to think about those things that they are. They're not what if, they're when. And so it's really important to, to plan for those. So 
kudos to you for that. Thank you for sharing that with us because that's really important. And thank you for sharing your story. It's so inspiring that somebody could start out at the beginning of a pandemic with $1,600 to her name and have well over $10,000 in her bank account by the end of October. So congratulations. Best of luck on your goal of paying off your student loans. And seriously, come back and let me know, you know, when they're paid off. We'll celebrate. And I would love to hear the story about how that's gone. Thank you so much. I will happily talk about budgeting in YNAB any day, as all of my friends will tell you. (laughs) (laughs) It's great to have fellow YNAB nerds and fellow budgeting nerds because it's a lot of fun to talk about. So thanks again for being here today. Thank you. A great big sensible thank you to Cassidy Parker Knight for sharing her budget success story. What a great story. I can't wait to celebrate with Cassidy when she pays off her student loans and gets to declare, I am debt free. For those of you who are also dreaming about being debt free, let's talk about some of the things that might be holding you back. Since we're in the holiday shopping season, we'll start there. To put things into perspective, here are a few statistics that might surprise you. According to creditcards.com, 53% of millennials with credit cards are willing to go into debt for the holidays, as are 43% of Gen Xers and 33% of baby boomers. Why is that? Is it because we feel pressured to buy gifts? I've felt this way. I've also felt like I'm on autopilot some years. There are certain things you do because it's tradition. It's expected, right? But in the end, if you're on autopilot, it's just another way to keep up with the Joneses. Do you spend money at Christmas because it brings you joy or because it's expected of you? Either way, if you don't have the money to spend without going into debt, is it really bringing you joy? Maybe in the moment, but how much stress do you have to endure for that one moment? Is it worth it? Do you think the people you gave gifts to or spent money on would want you to do it if they knew how much financial stress came with it? If they care at all about you, I'm guessing the answer is no. Now here's another statistic from creditcards.com. Credit card holders with children under 18 are twice as likely as non-parents to take on debt for the holidays. And nearly half of them believe that holiday spending justifies going into debt. I'm not surprised that parents are more likely to take on debt for the holidays, but I am surprised that they believe it's justified. Parents, please stop and think about what you're doing. If you're buying stuff, is that stuff really going to bring your kids enough joy to justify your stress? Do they care that much about the stuff? Do you think they might enjoy stress-free time with you instead? Or how about down the line when you could help them pay for college or a car? because you're not paying off debt. What do you remember about the holidays when you were a kid? Is it all the stuff? Or is it the experiences you had with people you love? And by the way, they're watching you. If you make debt and all the stress that comes with it an acceptable part of life, so will they. And here's a heartbreaker. According to a survey from WalletHub.com, almost 41 million Americans still have debt from last holiday season. Part of the reason may be that they don't fully understand these great financing offers they're signing up for. If you're being offered 0% financing, check the fine print. This is a promotional offer, which means it won't last forever. You want to find out how long it lasts, what the annual percentage rate will be after it ends, and if they are deferring the interest. 
If it's deferred interest, it means that interest is accruing each day. You just don't have to pay it until the promotion ends. So if you're still carrying a balance when the promotion ends, you're also going to pay all the interest that's been accruing for the last 18 months or however long the offer was, in addition to what you pay forward as you're still trying to pay it off. And by the way, the average interest rate on a store credit card is 28%. Still think you're getting a deal? Maybe you are. But make sure you know what you're getting into before you sign on the dotted line. The holidays are supposed to be a festive time, a time of cheer, togetherness, and giving, not necessarily monetary giving. How about giving of your heart, your time, your memories, your stories, your talents? Do you want someone to give you a gift that will cause them stress for more than a year? This year more than ever, we need to take the time to stop and think about what we're spending for the holidays, what we can truly afford and we need to get creative about how we celebrate. I get it. We've been locked down for almost a year. We want to let loose, blow off steam, have some fun. But if this year has taught us anything, it's that a crisis can happen anytime without warning. And if you're not financially prepared, it can be devastating. So before we throw caution to the wind for a moment of bliss, let's think about what the next moment will feel like. It's your choice. Make it intentional. If you are thinking about curbing your spending this holiday season, it might help you to know that you're not alone. According to Bankrate.com, 33% of U.S. adults plan to spend less on the holidays than last year. And WalletHub.com reports that nearly one in three people are foregoing gifts this holiday season due to COVID. So let's get creative and find ways to celebrate debt-free and stress-free. If you have ideas, email me, bobby at sensiblechat.com. That's B-O-B-B-I at sensiblechat.com. If you need some ideas, check out my blog post, Cash-Free Christmas Gifts at sensiblechat.com. I'll put a link in the show notes for this episode as well. And if you want to create a holiday budget for next year so you can truly celebrate stress-free, schedule a free budget consultation with me and let's chat. Whatever you decide, I hope you enjoy this holiday season to the fullest. Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening. And until next time, remember, do the math, live the life. That does it for this episode of Sensible Chat. Thanks for joining us. You'll find all the links and resources mentioned in the show notes at sensiblechat.com. That's sensible with a C. Connect with us on LinkedIn and MeWe and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To schedule a free budget consultation, go to sensiblechat.com and click on the book a free call button in the upper right hand corner. Have a question or success story? How about a great budgeting idea? Visit sensiblechat.com for all the contact information. That's sensible with a C.